Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. The podcast that makes your law enforcement dreams happen. Welcome to the Go Law Enforcement podcast brought to you by GoLawEnforcement.com. I'm your host, Joe Lebowski. Passing the police exam is a vital step towards becoming a law enforcement officer. GoLawEnforcement.com can help you pass the police exam and get a score that will get you hired. Check out GoLawEnforcement.com. Detective Holly McManus is a canine handler with the St. Francis Police Department. Her canine partner is a German Shepherd named Bain. In this episode of the Go Law Enforcement Podcast, Detective McManus talks about what canine handlers do, some events where Bain's skills were successfully used, and she'll provide advice for anyone interested in becoming a canine handler. At the end of the interview, Detective McManus will introduce us to Canine Bane. You'll want to stick around and hear what Canine Bane has to say. My name is Holly McManus. I am a detective with the St. Francis Police Department in Wisconsin. I've been in law enforcement for almost 13 years. This is the only agency I've worked for. It's my first major career. I came pretty much right out of college. I earned a bachelor's degree in nothing that has to do with law enforcement in classics, history, and political science. It was a triple major from a small private liberal arts college in Colorado Springs called Colorado College. I graduated in three years. I studied abroad. Um, I moved back home. I am from the Milwaukee area, born and raised. Moved back home, started with St. Francis, and during my career, I actually earned my master's degree in Homeland Security from St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. And I'm currently detective. I've held this position for approximately a year and a half, a little over a year and a half. Prior to this, I was on third shift patrol for about 10 and a half years. Four of those, I was a canine. I've been with Canine Bain um, as a canine handler. And then Bain has been with me in the Bureau for the last year and a half. I'm also a uh, task force member with the FBI. So when I was originally hired, I was on second shift for a short time. My FTO, the field training portion of my job, you know, was pretty standard. And I actually went to third shift pretty quickly. I wasn't sure how I was going to like that. Um, but third shift actually offered its own um, benefits other than the lack of sleep. But um, so I was on third shift patrol for a little over 10 years. Uh, but what third shift allowed me to do was kind of get out on my own and kind of create my own cases. And because I wasn't, I was more uh, proactive than reactive as opposed to first and second shift when, you know, you have to respond to a lot more calls on third shift. We kind of looked for our own calls as far as like, um, you know, suspicious activity, things like that. So I had that opportunity to be on patrol. And during that time, we started a multi-jurisdictional SWAT team with uh, St. Francis Cudahy South Milwaukee. And I was actually the first female officer on that SWAT team, it was approximately a 25-man team. So I became an active member of our SWAT team, training with the team, you know, eight hours a, a month. I had the opportunity nearing the end of my 10 years to become the shift commander of our of third shift, which was kind of like a cor- similar to what a corporal does when the sergeant's not on duty. I was the primary shift commander. 
And then I had an, you know, I was able to kind of stand out and do things, um, whether it kind of became like the OWI liaison, so to say, for the department. I made the most OWI arrests. You know, I was the go-to resource. I maintained our policy and I maintained all the documents, forms, everything we needed for arrests. And then in 2014, I actually created the canine unit. So I was, I'm the first canine handler for the department. And my captain at the time, who's now retired, him and I put the canine team together. We found a donor. Uh, we got everything started, the policy, everything going. And then I was on third shift patrol with Bain for, you know, until I went into the bureau. And then I was fortunate that when I went into the bureau, that my chief let me take Bain with me because of all the training that I've put into him. Canine Bain is going to be nine in August. Um, him and I entered service in March of 2014. So we've been together a little over six years. His parents are from Germany, but he was actually uh, bred up in Fond du Lac, uh, Fond du Lac County, I should say. Um, he has, I think he's the last one of his brothers in law enforcement. One just recently retired. So he does come from a family of law enforcement canines. Canine Bain's personality is, is unique, I think, as a canine. He's pretty mellow, um, and he, he, but he's very good at reading situations. Um, he knows when to, what we would say is key up and pay attention. And then other than that, he's pretty chill. Um, he loves to be in his squad and drive around. He loves to come to work. He won't let me leave the house um, unless he gets to go with me. And um, he is actually a great house dog. He's very good at home. Uh, he's what we call a black and tan German Shepherd. He's 100% purebred German Shepherd. Bane is a dual-purpose canine. So the first purpose is his scent work. His scent work is narcotics, and it's, it's finding people. So tracking, tracking and area searches. Whether we're looking for what I say is a good guy or a bad guy, my personal opinion is, is that's canine main strength, um, is finding people. All of our spotlights in my career with him have all been canine main locating people. So we've had a couple of tactical situations where we're on a high risk tactical call up and Bane has found people inside of a house and helped us get people out as far as without having to use any other force other than the presence of a canine. And then there's two specific tracks actually. One was very recently. One was a track from my city, and then another one was a, a mutual aid track. Uh, the one from my city was actually an arson case. Suspect had burned down a garage. There was an issue with the relationship of the house he was staying in, and he actually burned down a garage. Well, a couple hours later, he showed back up at the scene and was standing in the victim's front yard and then left. And the victim didn't see which way he went. She didn't see, um, you know, she wasn't even 100% positive that he was that he was there, that it was him. So Bain actually, without even having a starting point, was able to start from the front yard, and we actually found him hiding under a pine tree a couple blocks away. And he basically tracked us straight to him. So that was kind of a cool thing, and they brought him up on the arson charges for that. And then uh, most recently, we actually had a mutual aid call where a local agency had a stolen, an attempted stolen motorcycle, and they actually pursued the car that was carrying the occupants that, you know, were trying to steal his motorcycle. And they were actually wanted in one of our cases as well, where we had a stolen motorcycle. And they got in a car accident and fled from the scene. And they both went opposite directions. Well, we were tasked with trying to find the passenger, and Bain actually, despite what witnesses told us, witnesses told us they went a different way, 
uh, we started the track from Bain's, from the passenger seat where the, the passenger was. And he tracked us to like this marshy area, not too far away, a couple hundred feet away. And um, we actually had to call DPW and use chainsaws and weed whackers to actually get in. He was probably about 75 to 100 feet into the thicket where you couldn't see him at all. And Bain actually tracked right to him. So uh, that was a pretty cool call because we didn't give up. And it, it showed that as a dog handler, the biggest highlight on that was that I trusted him. And I knew that he was taking me where I needed to go to find the guy. When I go off duty, I take a squad car home with me, a squad car that's specifically fitted for canine Bane um, with a cage in the back. Um, the cage actually takes up the entire, if you can, I have a Tahoe. So it takes up the back seat of the Tahoe and half of the cargo area. And it's a secure cage uh, with a sliding door. And he goes home with me. And I do have a cage for him at home. I have a five foot by five foot enclosure in my basement. But because him and I have such a strong bond and I trust him, he actually is integrated into my family at home. I have another dog. um, I have a family and he is part of that family. So as far as the hiring process, I went through the hiring process many years ago, um, obviously 12 to 13 years ago, actually more like 14 or 15 by the time you actually get hired. And what I found unique was the bout law enforcement was the actual length of the process. When I was actually living in Colorado and going to college, I started applying to different agencies and I would fly home on the weekends to take either the physical agility test or the specific written test for that agency. I remember specifically flying home for the Waukesha Police Department, for St. Francis Police Department, for the written. And I learned that I really had to be patient with the process because it could take anywhere from four to six months just to even hear where you come in and rank. And I know that nowadays for law enforcement, it's a little different than when I went through. When I went through, I was dealing with sometimes 100 applicants at a time. I remember when I went to apply to the Milwaukee Police Department, we actually took the test in like a gymnasium because there were like 800 people there, six, six to 800 people there to take the test that day. And I remember you were ranked, I think I was ranked out of like 1,600 people to, to continue the process. And so that was all a very big surprise for me because none of my family is in law enforcement. So for me, it was all new. And I remember you get set up on all these waiting lists. And that was kind of the first time I'd ever heard of an eligibility list or a waiting list um, with employment. And, you know, you may not get the first round, but everybody's lives change and openings come up. You may get the second round. So for me, I wasn't hired in the first round of applicants. Um, I was actually hired on the second round, which was only a couple months later. So I was fortunate. And I think the difference now versus when I went to school and through the academy is back when I went through the academy, a lot of agencies had the funding to put people through the academy um, and basically pay them a standard base wage to go through the academy. Whereas now agencies with budget cuts in the economy are looking for students who have put themselves through the academies. A couple of things that I would offer to a, you know, the younger generation looking to join law enforcement is not to let current events and politics and social events deter you from wanting to be a police officer because overall we really do make a difference. You know, we do make a huge impact on our communities and 
people do really rely on us to make their lives better or make their lives safer. The other thing I would say is if you want to get into law enforcement, definitely go to college. Um, I think that's one of the best experiences of a young person's life, even if it's not a four-year degree to get a two-year degree, but don't necessarily focus on criminal justice if you don't have to. And the reason that I say that is, is because I think you get a broader perspective on education and, and life experiences if you kind of explore different opportunities because a lot of law enforcement agencies aren't so focused on that criminal justice degree as they are that you have a degree in general and you're able to communicate effectively and write effectively. So I always tell people you could still be in law enforcement and have a degree in classics like I do or a degree in poli-sci or psychology. Do what you're interested in school and you can still absolutely bring that into law enforcement. Start early and um, you're going to learn something every time you apply to a different department. And don't hopefully get your hopes up for one specific department because sometimes you just may not be a fit for that department depending on what they're looking for and depending on the size. So I know when I started applying, I basically kept a notepad and I literally wrote down the agencies and the date that I applied for them. So I had a list of like 12 local agencies and a lot of times what happens is, is you'll find that the agency that you ultimately work for, you know, is hopefully going to be your career agency or at least for a very long time until something changes in your life. So you really have to dedicate your time, your resources into these applications and the time and resources into studying for something like the, the written exam, um, because I know that they're pretty standardized. So you know, studying up and, and investing in study guides, it, it really is worth it. I remember I downloaded one off of a website and I, you know, studied hard for the first couple of weeks and it, it really did me justice when it came to taking the test and it was worth the time. I do not know an agency that has given a canine as an entry-level position Generally, it comes with time and experience. The The thing that I think it could be a misconception is that, that it's easy to just grab a dog, throw them in the car, and drive around with them. I think the agency has to be able to trust the person with the liability that a canine does carry, especially if the dog is trained in as a dual-purpose dog and has the ability to apprehend and protect the handler in the community that carries a different level of liability. So I think you have to prove yourself as an officer first before you can prove yourself as a canine handler. I would say that for anybody being that wants to get into the canine handling profession, to do anything you can to learn about dogs, to learn about dogs' behaviors, canine behaviors, learn about the, the responsibilities of a canine handler, and then also learn about decoying. In order for that second purpose to be effective, as far as these dogs are concerned, that second purpose is your apprehension work, the bite work, the big suits, the, the exposed sleeves. That is all possible with good decoy um, skills that we have as handlers, that we have good decoys that help us train our dogs to bite properly, to um, release properly also when they're on a bite. And so... I always encourage people who are interested in canine handling to become a good decoy because if you're a good decoy, you're going to be able to read dogs in a way that the average person is not going to be.
So Bain's Facebook page, I think, is how he's pretty much um, become a local media sensation. And I say that because he's been in most papers and most local papers and most of the local news channels know who he is. He has a Facebook page, Canine Bane, B-A-N-E, and um, he has about 5,000 followers from across the world. As I walk out now, it's about 85 degrees and extremely humid and hot today. So Canine Bane has a squad that's specifically designed for the canine. And a lot of times we rely on grant work or grants as well to put what we call like a hot pop or a heat alarm inside the squad. So on my cell phone, I have an application that actually monitors the heat or the temperature level inside the car, both hot and cold. So for in the winter, it monitors how cold it gets because we're in Wisconsin. So I have both those systems running. And then I also have what's kind of fun and, and great for demos is I have a an automatic pop where I wear like a little pager on my vest and I push a button and the door, the rear passenger door actually opens and canine bane can come to me. So he's um, he's equipped pretty good back there. And if the heat alarm, if it gets too hot, I have it set at a certain temperature. If it gets too hot, it'll actually turn on my sirens and lower the windows and then alert me via text messages. And if I don't answer, it actually alerts my supervisors. So I'm walking up to the squad now. Let's see if I can wake him up. He is kind of an older dog, so he likes to nap. Bainers, what you doing? Hey, buddy. Bainers. Come here, buddy. So right now, I'm standing by the squad. I'm talking to him. So his favorite thing to do is go for a drive in the squad. So I think the guys at work get driven crazy by it. But every time I get close to the garage or pull out of the garage at work, he actually barks like crazy because he's super excited to go for a ride. My most favorite thing to tell people, I think, is having been a canine handler for the last six plus years, is that it is by far the best job in law enforcement. Um, it has been the most rewarding opportunity that this agency could have given me. And even though I've chosen not to take the next dog, it will be the highlight of my career. I get to bring my best friend with me every day to work. He comes with me every day. If I'm at work, he's at work. He has yet to miss a day at work. Passing the police exam is a vital step towards becoming a law enforcement officer. GoLawEnforcement.com can help you pass the police exam and get a score that will get you hired. Check out GoLawEnforcement.com. Thanks for listening.